Hi, this is Stephen Drachman, the author of the Watto Hugh books. Please stay tuned for an important message at the end of this podcast. Chickadee Prince Books is the home of great fiction and nonfiction of all genres. Visit us at chickadeeprince.com. That's Chickadee the Bird, Prince the Son of a King. Declare your independence. I am Darrow Forley, and I know that I am one of the villains of this entertainment, because I am married to the former Lucy Billings, whom what O'Hugh loves, and so you hate me, but I am not a bad fellow. I fell in love with the woman whom what O'Hugh also loves. I cannot help that. I suppose now is as good a time as any to explain how Lucy and I went from a quiet, if stagnant existence in rainy old England to the outlaw life. It began in China. I have my ghosts. In a way, I am a ghost myself. The Strange and Astounding Memoirs of Watto Hugh, a radio drama based on the novels by Stephen S. Drachman, starring Sal Rendino and produced by Danielle Wu. This week's season finale, Episode 10, Future and Past. I hired a guide, a translator, and a strong black horse, and Lucy and I followed a rumor across the Chinese plains and into the distant mountains. We covered our fine English clothes with Chinese robes, and together we struggled over the rugged, knife-like Chinese mountains where, one night, we rested at a tiny and ramshackle inn located in a little village three mountains from our final destination. Daryl, what will we find on the other side of this mountain? No Western woman has ever seen this part of China. Breathe in the beauty of the country, Lucy. Feel its power and magic on your skin. <laughs> what are you thinking? Oh, I am thinking that I like you so much more than I did when I met you, and more than I did when I watched you in your supposed element at embassy functions. And back in England, in the controlled and stifling world of society, there is something almost heroic in your eyes, something reassuring, steady. There is more to you, Daryl Folly, than I ever knew. Hours before dawn, a buzzing, constant but low, woke me. I crept out of bed, tossed on my robes. I struck a match, and my lantern lit up the room. I shielded sleeping Lucy from the flame. Then I padded barefoot out into the chilly, dry mountain night. Outside, 
The glow of the night sky blinded my eyes. Distant peaks and the lush, quilt-like farming valley far below were lit up by the same blazing electricity that rendered the heavens a scattering, flickering white. Yet the lightning that cut through the occasional cloud overhead did not thunder and crack, but instead murmured quietly, like a swarm of distant bees. I darkened my lantern, and I set it to one side. I stood in the middle of the narrow road, my eyes wide open to the glaring sky. The farthest mountain summit began to darken, and gradually a shadow wandered across the sky, heading toward our little village. I don't know how long it took for the cloud to reach him. It was as though I had come unstuck in time. Standing in the tiny lane, the minute hand on my watch glued to the spot as the clouds spread gradually across the blazing night. The cloud, upon reaching me, opened up, pouring a chilling mountain rain down on me, drenching me in my robe, which clung to my skin. The water tingled on my skin and in my eyes. The rest of the town, the mountain slope beyond, and the valley below remained dry. A puddle grew beneath me. I held up my hands to the black cloud, and I fell on my knees in the mud. This was the end of my journey. The earth cracked beneath me, wind blew up from the deep below, and for a moment, or an hour, I floated evenly on a pocket of air, and then I gradually descended into that hole in the world. Through black and bony tree branches that twisted and wrestled in the wind, I glimpsed an army of clay-red soldiers on the march in a dark, hilly landscape. I was at sea, one small man alone and lost in a typhoon on a black boiling ocean, sinking, his lungs filling with salty white foam. And my world went black. I awoke in an Englishman's vision of heaven, in a soft and enveloping bed beneath impossibly white sheets in an impossibly white room. He wondered for a moment if I were in heaven. I arose from bed, my limbs strong and agile, the chronic pain in my back gone, the click in my knee healed, my lungs clear again, the way they'd felt when I was a child. Lucy sat by the window of the big bedroom, looking through the golden-tinted windows at the heavenly green of the pastures that spread out before her to distant, silver-capped oceans. I touched her shoulder, and gently she reached up and covered my hand with hers. Lucy and I rose on soft breezes and floated through the wall up into the sky, Above a dark, lush forest, we turned, looking back and saw a vast, multi-storied building of ivory and marble 
held up by heavy columns and a thousand fleshy white-robed figures sang out to them from tree-covered terraces the castle was surrounded by gardens of blooming lupins and lava terrors that changed color as the wind shifted i took lucy's hand a prize was being offered to me a wonderful prize and all i needed to give in return was blind devotion to a cause the ultimate goal of which i didn't even know and couldn't guess and i didn't care the ocean briefly glowed blood red the journey would not be without dangers and pain sacrifice and tragedy you're awake good morning my darling mm, it's chilly the chill of morning the chill of morning in the mountains in china how did you sleep i had a strange dream good strange or bad strange strange wonderful so much has changed since then since we held the future in our hands i should have turned away from it all rejected it all but how was i to know when i last spoke to my wife here in sidonia a revolutionary city i saw a beautiful dying woman who lay in a once magnificent bedchamber that seemed to be clinging to its existence as precariously as lucy was the velvet walls were tattered and satin sheets wrapped about lucy's frail exquisite body were moth-eaten and frayed daryl hush darling i tried my best can't you remember years ago that i accompanied you on the arduous and dangerous trek to the inner reaches of Cathay in search of the secret of the red eyebrows that i joined you in your dreams we held hands in the clouds above a make-believe castle surrounded by gardens of blooming lupines and lava terras that changed color in the wind remember that i was there at the rhapsody's birth i loyally followed my husband to reality's edge there's nothing that can be done to help it not any more don't you realize that you must abandon this palace otherwise you will die let's leave sidonia let's leave it to the others surely alan jerome will send you a stipend to reward you for your foresight we might live out our lives at the english seaside you know the sound of the waves tea on frosty mornings lucy rescue me darling i stood from the bed my back to my wife and i stared out the window at the childish and mythical landscape i had designed for her amusement 
when she first fell ill. Outside, satyrs and unicorns still frolicked in fields of clover, but less happily than before. I wondered if they knew why this spring had gone out of their step, why the scent of lilacs had left the air. I cannot leave here, Lucy. I am sorry. I have tried my best, Daryl. Will you give me my freedom? Let me leave. If you will no longer have me, let me return to O'Hugh. There is a little town in Nebraska called Weedville, which is loyal to Sidonia. O'Hugh will find me. You will convalesce there until you are well enough to return. I will never be allowed back in, you know that. Set me free. Let me return to New York. Let me have a new life. Or let me have my old life back. All of your needs will be attended to in Weedville. Outside the window, in the distance, a fairy fell suddenly from flight and fluttered about in confusion on a patch of parched gray grass. I will be imprisoned. You are imprisoning me. Oh, Lucy, the old rebellion ever shines in your eyes. In my sightless eyes. I will always love you. I would have been loyal to you for the rest of my life. Against the Glare of Darkness by Mark Laporta is the gripping science fiction trilogy that critics have called an engrossing far future reality of galaxy-spanning civilization that combines the best of space opera and science fiction. Read Probability Shadow, Entropy Refraction, and coming soon, Infinity Afterglow, the exciting series conclusion. Get your copy today at your local bookstore or wherever books are sold. I said my own goodbye that morning. I had great doubts about the wisdom of my decision. But there it is. The morning after Emelina taught me to roam time and flew me to stars, our paths diverged. No more rabbit holes to follow Emelina into. No more dreams of eternal life. Emelina decided to head to the northeast, while I knew that I had no choice but to continue to flee southwest. We sat there awkwardly, both of us on our horses, packed up and ready to go, the wind kicking up clouds of dust around us. I'll never forget you, Emelina. I am quite sure I will eventually forget you completely. But, after all, I've many, many more years ahead of me. Thousands of years. I can't be expected to remember everything. It really can't be helped, can it? That's probably true. It's true, what? When I'm an old man, if I'm an old man, I mean, and if I live through all this, come see me, Emelina. Knock on my door and come in, young and beautiful, 
and laugh at a silly old superstitious man. Please, Hemelina. It would destroy you. I don't think it would make you happy to see me again, if I were young and you were old, knowing the life, the lives that you had refused. I think you would hate to see me again. Uh, I'd like it. I mean it. I still think about her every day. Maybe the choice she made was evil. Maybe there's no such thing. Now, so close as I am to eternity, I don't care anymore. In the world's cities, I have seen her smile out of the corner of my eye at numerous street corners. I turn, and she's gone. At night, even here on my ranch, when the night is the darkest, and the wind howls outside and the house creaks lightly, as though a young woman were scurrying on tiptoes across the floorboards and shadows pass before the moon, even now, every night, I wait for the door to fly open and for Emelina, surely more beautiful than I remember, to walk slowly and gently into my room, to stare into my eyes and, accepting the invitation I offered her all those years ago, to laugh at the silly, superstitious, and deeply regretful old man I've become. I saw my little boy the day you were captured. How? I hovered invisible outside of his sod house. His father was dead. My little boy was drinking his father's whiskey. He'll do all right, I think. He'll work the land... Find his sister a husband in town who will sign up as a farmhand as part of the deal, maybe? Get himself a mail-order bride in a couple of years? I'm quite certain that he'll do all right. I hadn't expected his father to die like that, so suddenly I, I had not seen that in his future. How do you feel, Emelina, about his death, your husband? Tell me how I'm supposed to feel, and that's how I'll feel. After she rode off, I watched until she was just a tiny dot on the horizon. Then I turned and clicked my heels into my horse's side and galloped as fast as I could in the opposite direction. Hi, this is Stephen Drackman, the author of the Wado Hugh books. This was the season finale of the Water Hue Radio Drama. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We don't yet know if there will be second season. We hope so. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear more, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts, post about it on social media, and tell your friends. If enough of you listen, we will be back. This program starred Sal Rendino as Watto Hugh and featured Emily Dalton, Jordan Gwizdowski, Morrison James, Arnold Kim, Annie Mack, Anthony Tether, Mabel Thomas, and Eric Yang. Theme song and incidental music composed by Derek K. Miller, with additional incidental music by Danielle Wu. The Strange and Astounding Memoirs of Watto Hugh was produced by Danielle Wu.